One thing I'm really grateful for with the book of James is how practical it is. The series is called A Faith That Works because that's exactly what it does. And I love so much how God put all of this together. And so as we are going to finish up chapter one here, I'm only going to have two major points to this message, and we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. But what, we're, what I'd love to do with you is if we could just kind of read through and make some commentary, and then we're going to come up with some application as we're kind of going through this halfway in between, and then we'll wrap up with some really helpful information, I think. And so here, here's what I'm asking, is that you would pray that God would speak to your heart about what you need to do about this. I know it's tempting to think of other people who need this more than you. But I assure you that there's enough on your plate to work on that that needs to be your focus this morning. So let's begin reading here, verses 17 and 18. This is actually a review a little bit of last week, um, the text that we use, but it said here that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And if it's a good gift and a perfect gift that comes down, that's maybe why we can count it all joy that we learned a couple of weeks ago from verse 2. And then he goes on to verse 18. Of his own will begat he us or birthed us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits set apart for God of his creatures. Now, that's an unusual way to put it, but, but back when this would have been very understood by his audience, that they would take the first portion of their harvest and set it aside for God as an offering to him. And so what he is saying is that we have been set aside for the Lord as an offering to him. So then verse 19, here we go in today's text. Wherefore, because of that, My beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We're not going to dwell on this a lot because we're going to hit it again a little bit later. But here's what I want. If you write in your Bible or just take notes somewhere, that is is learning how to listen to learn. So basically what he's saying there is, he said, if you can be quick to hear and slow to speak, you are increasing the likelihood that you're going to be learning the lessons that God's trying to teach you. If all you do is want to talk, you're not learning what God has for you. So that is a formula for learning how to listen to learn, if that makes sense. We are listening in order to learn is what he's saying. First of all, be swift to hear. There's an eagerness there. There's an eagerness for attentiveness, like we are on purpose listening so that we can learn something from the other person. And then he says, slow to speak. Is it any mystery that God gave you one mouth and two ears? Let's work on that, right? Some of them could have, some of you need a, a larger ratio than that. And then slow to wrath should be the result of that. As we are meekly hearing, as we are humbly hearing what God has for us and what he's doing in our own life, then it tends to have a positive effect on the anger that we might feel because it's hard to learn when you're angry as well. And then he kind of, he expounds on that in verse 20. He says, for the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. A righteous life never grows out of an angry spirit. 
Now think on that for a second. When was the last time you felt God working through you when you were mad? It doesn't happen often, right? And sure, you can give examples of Jesus throwing over the tables in the, uh, you know, in the temple and all that kind of stuff. But that didn't happen often. And he was purifying the temple of his Lord, of God, right? And so it's, it's funny. Angry people like to use that a lot. But they don't use many other examples that Christ did while he was here on earth. Verse 21, wherefore, so he kind of turns the corner here. Wherefore, lay apart... That's like taking something off that's dirty. Lay it apart, all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I just think that's a great phrase. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> and receive with meekness. How important is this? Receive with meekness. That's the result of being a good listener. The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. How you respond to what you hear from God's word is a pretty big deal. And so when you are spending time reading the Bible or hearing the scripture, it really has an impact on your temperament. But based on these verses that we've read this far, let me summarize like what I think that James is saying here by saying this, that we need to stop speaking to be heard and start listening to learn. Now that is applicable with all of us in the relationships that we have with each other and with the relationship that we have with God. What's really interesting is when James wrote this to the first century church, they were a very oral culture. They learned orally. They did not have a lot of books, and most of them didn't know how to read and write, including most of the disciples of Christ. And so what they learned about Scripture was what they heard which is why he's saying you need to be swift to hear. And so this is really significant here, that they heard what the truth was, and they had to be quiet in order to be able to receive it. And so what he's telling them is, I want you to stop speaking so everybody hears what you have to say and start listening so you can begin to learn what Christ is trying to do in your own life. Because here's the truth. You stop learning when you start talking. This works with people, and it works with God. Sometimes we just need to sit there and be quiet. I was reading an author this week, and she was saying that, that there was a significant change in her quiet time with the Lord when she stopped praying for stuff and just started listening for what God had to say. And may I encourage you as you are driving around or you are spending time with the Lord and you wanting to share with him all the stuff that you need him to do for you and all the concerns of your heart, that maybe you take some time and practice quietness and ask him to speak to you instead of you always feeling like you have to communicate to him. That works with, <laughs> that works with the people we love as well. Poor listeners who like to hear themselves talk are often not even listening when you're talking because you know what they're doing. They're actually formulating their response to you so that the moment you take a breath, they can tell you what you need to correct. 
And I know we get irritated because that's how we all are, because that's the way our brains work. But the truth of the truth of the matter is that we're not learning anything when we are not listening well. And here's what's really sad is, is when we're like that, we are cheating ourselves out of valuable, meaningful relationships. Because people want to be heard. People don't want to hear what you have to say as much as they want to be heard. So instead, do this. Always be the student. You have so much to learn. Do you see how that fits in with what God is saying here in James about meekness? I need to learn. I don't have it all figured out. Even if you think you are right, you have a lot to learn. Always be the student. My dad used to tell me, Eric, everybody knows something that you don't. So that means everybody is your teacher and you can learn something from everybody. Learning takes humility and meekness, which is why he encourages us and that pleases the Lord. Andy Stanley said this in a message recently about this topic. He said, he said that you don't understand. Like that person is wrong. I don't even understand how they can feel that way. I don't understand why they believe what they believe. You can use this politically. You can use this relationally. I don't understand. Well, you're telling yourself then, then you're the one who needs to learn. If you don't understand how they feel that way, then you're the one who needs to learn. Ooh, that's hard to hear, isn't it? Because we think we're right. And you may be, but you're not helping by being right. Because here's the truth. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you, not them. You ever think about that? Like maybe, maybe in this disagreement or maybe in this relationship or maybe in this workplace or maybe in this family experience, it's not about what you are hoping that they learn. It's what God is trying to teach you. Because, I mean, don't you get tired of always correcting everybody else in your life? Come on. Doesn't that wear you out? Like, you know, you're always upset because they're doing stupid stuff. And if they only did what you wanted them to do or what you thought they should, everything would be much better. No, you would find something else to complain about because it's not the fact that you're right. It's because you're you. And you're just you, and so you think you're right. And you probably are. Let's just say that you are because that's only going to make you feel good. But doesn't it wear you out? Doesn't it frustrate you all the time? Doesn't it anger them? Maybe he's actually trying to speak to you in this and not them. That's hard for us to swallow, but that's the truth. It goes back to what we were saying about a month ago in relationships. You are most likely to just change you, not somebody else. And so if it's most likely to be the case that you can change you, then maybe that's the one that God is actually trying to work on in this relationship and not them. Not saying that he's not, but maybe focus on what he's trying to change in you. Because Andy said this, he said, we all want to be right, (laughs) but God wants us to be right with each other. Our words are a gift. What we say to somebody can either build them up or tear them down. They can be a weapon 
or they can be a beautiful tool to help strengthen and build somebody up. When you are tempted (laughs) to fill the room with your own hot air, ask yourself if you're really making a difference or if you're just trying to make a point. Because people are tired of people making points. And what we're looking for is people who actually make a difference. So let's move on in our text here and just keep reading down through and seeing what else I can make you feel good about. Verse 22 says this, but be ye doers of the word. So there's a shift. If you're following James's writing here, so he just got done talking about about how we need to have this meek spirit and learn and speak less and, and listen well. And then he's talking about what religion really looks like here. And I love the shift that he makes right here with this statement. He said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. So, so he's saying, stop speaking so much and hear more. But then he shifts gears on us and he says, but don't just hear. Don't just be happy hearing what God has to say. You should be a doer of the word. And then he says this. In other words, if you're not doing what you are hearing, you're deceiving your own selves is what he said. What we read should affect our behavior, right? It should, because knowing without doing makes you think you are what you are not. And just because you read it doesn't mean that that's who you are. Oh, oh, just because you know that's what the Bible says doesn't mean that you've actually done it or put it into practice. Just because you have information doesn't mean that you are that. I hope you're hearing this. Because, because the Bible actually says that knowledge puffs up. And just because you learn more Bible doesn't mean that you're a better believer. Just because you know more words and can find it knows, and you know the address of that verse doesn't mean that you're actually a better Jesus follower. In fact, if we're talking about trajectory, and if we're talking about about where we're going in this, the person who knows less but actually puts more of that into practice is miles ahead of the person who knows a lot and just doesn't do squat about it. And you coming here and sitting here and enjoying this and soaking it up is not religion that God is interested in. You changing who you are and how you interact with people and how you affect their lives and how you see this world and how you respond to what God is doing in your life, that's when we are starting to get it and we are becoming doers of the word. Focusing on doing will keep you humble because I'll tell you the truth, when you have a, when you have a really good vision of yourself and you know the work that you need in your own life, it makes you a lot less likely to be focused on what everybody else needs to correct because now you're being humbled by the fact that you have a lot of crap to work on yourself. And I'm going to get in trouble for saying that word. He says this in verse 23. For if, but I think James would have said that if he could have. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That's, that's an old-fashioned way of saying you're looking in the mirror. So if, you are, if you're the kind of person that hears a Sunday message like this, or you are listening to the scripture throughout the week, 
and you hear something and you know that God wants you to change that in your life or do that for somebody and you are not actually acting upon what you are hearing, you are not a doer, you're like somebody who just likes to look at themselves in the mirror. Here's a statistic for you. I read this week that, and I'm not picking on women, it just, that they were the ones they studied. Okay? Just saying, I'm, I could cite the source for you, that the average woman spends 55 minutes a day in front of the mirror. Apparently not everybody does, right? <laughs> I almost got away with that. But here's what happens, right? We look in the mirror for a purpose, right? Come on, I'm not the only one bedhead in the morning, right? How does my hair do that? Like, I don't have much of it. And I get out of bed and I'm like, whoa, this is not for public consumption. I look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, I'm, all I'm doing right now is brushing my teeth. And then I go read my Bible and do my devotion time and all of that. And it's just me and my ugly self and God. He's cool with it. And then before I go anywhere, like, okay, I need a good half hour, right? I need, I need uh, that, that's about what I need to get myself all ready to get out and present myself to this world. But have you ever forgotten? <laughs> like, I meant to do that. Hey, that wasn't the mirror's fault, was it? That was your own fault. Like, the mirror showed you what you needed to change. You just didn't change it. The mirror did its job and showed you the scary stuff, and you just didn't mitigate the damage. Because you can hear or you can read and walk away unchanged. Look at verse 24. It says this, For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. How long have you known Jesus? Like how long has he been working on that in your life? And it's still a problem because we just keep on putting on the shelf, sticking it in the box and, 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 and hiding it from our sight. He is showing us what we need to work on, but we're just, not, we're just not fixing it. We're like that guy that he's talking about right here. We look at ourselves in the mirror, and then we don't change anything. We just walk away. And verse 25 says this. Here's the, here's, the, here's the other guy. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's, that's a beautiful way to talk about the Bible, and continues therein. You spend some time in there. He, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So this person makes changes. And here's a, here's a quick truth. Doing changes the impact of what you read. So if you are looking for things to do as you are reading, if you're looking for ways to change as you are reading, now, I mean, honestly, like, like when you go to the mirror, you're trying to find things that you could improve. Unless you're really good looking, then you're just enjoying the view. But most of us are going there going, oh, I forgot about that part, right? I need a little bit more of this right over here. But if you go to the word of God looking for things that need to be corrected and fixed, it just changes how you read it. 
So my suggestion would be this. Like, I really believe that a lot of us just waste our time, bad choice of words, reading the Bible. Because we're not getting everything out of it that we could get out of it if we would go into it with a different attitude of, I really want to be better and I want to change. If we're just reading through Scripture to check the boxes, we're missing out on the purpose of it. And I realize that Scripture, there's a beautiful analogy that it's the washing of the water of the Word, and I understand that the the Word of God will eventually not return void. But wouldn't it be much more beneficial if you got into the Word of God because you were looking for something in your life that needed a change, and you actually prayed before you started reading and said, God, show me what I need to fix. I'm going to look into the mirror of your Word this morning. And I want to see something in my life that I need to be better doing. What a difference that would make. If you would do, doing changes the impact of what we read. The mirror shows you the truth and reveals the needed changes. But you still have to do what needs to be done and how quickly we forget. I mean, the mirror did its job. And if you walk out with bedhead, that's on you. If your zipper's down, not the mirror's fault. I've got a few stories. And I'm really self-conscious right now. But it happens. The mirror did its job. Now let's be doers of what we are seeing. Verse 26. If any man among you, and here, this I just love James so much, seem to be religious... Do you know any of them? Yeah, we're here. The idea here is that that word religious seems to be religious is, is, is more than just ceremony. Is this guy thinks he's doing all the right stuff. So he seems to be religious in his own mind. Like I'm doing everything right. I'm shuffling in. I'm finding a cup of coffee. I'm making my way to the seat. I am here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. These are my religious practices that I do all the time. That person who bridles not his tongue can't keep his mouth in check says this, but deceives his own heart. That man's religion is in vain. Now, this is powerful. That word vain is more than just empty, which is what we typically would have thought of. It actually means that it's purposeless. There's no purpose behind your religion if you can't keep your mouth in check. Folks, that's so powerful. You have a purposeless religion. Your practices are purposeless if you are hurtful with this right here. You could have the biggest bun in church or the biggest Bible or the widest tie or the shortest hair. And if you are not helpful with your words, then there is no purpose behind all of that behavior. Okay, verse 27, we'll finish up with this. Pure or uncorrupted religion is this, right? And undefiled before the Father, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. True religion doesn't happen in a church building. You get encouraged, you get helped, 
You get excited. You meet friends. But true religion happens outside the walls of the church. If you want to know more about Jesus, then do what Jesus did. It's, it's amazing. So like I had the privilege of teaching school for several years. And it's amazing how well you learn the material when you're the one up teaching it. And it's amazing how critical it becomes that you, you learn how to do things when you're put out there and actually have to do them. Has anybody ever spoken publicly, like to a group of people? How, does that ha- how do you handle that? How much preparation did that take? How much brain space did that require? Right? It's not easy. And what's amazing is that whatever topic you're going to deliver, you really study that hard and you work at that because you are about to sound like the expert. Or if you're trying to fix something or do something, right? You YouTube it. You're trying, to, you're trying to get information because you're about to do something. And we have a lot of folks that are they're, they're great at, at learning. They're great at reading, but we're not good at doing. And what I'm trying to say is like if you would actually get out there and start doing stuff. And then backfill it with who God wants us to be. And, and I, I tell you, what's amazing to me, if you're really trying to help meet somebody's need, it might help your prayer life. It might help your giving when you begin to actually try to help people. I love this phrase. I don't know who said it, but it's not original with me. But it said this, pure religion requires personal contact. That's what we do with what we are. That's what we do with what we have. Don't tell me how much you love Jesus. Show me how much you love others. Don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Show me what you're doing right. So my first big point was stop speaking and start listening to learn. My second big point, we'll finish with this. Stop pretending to be righteous and start doing something that matters. Can we just be real for a little while? We all got stuff. None of us have it all together. Like if we went through, let's say there was like a TSA screening wall, and if, instead of showing your skeleton, if it showed all the stuff you're working on, all the sin that you have in your life, and all the, all the thoughts that you have, and all of the doubts that you have about yourself, and all your discouragements. And if you and I were on either side of that wall having a conversation with each other, wouldn't it change how we treated each other? When we know they know all that about us, and they know we know all that about them, that's reality, folks. We all got stuff like that. Some of us are just better at covering it all up than other people. And can we just be real? And I'm not saying you have to share all of that with everybody. I'm just saying if we would be honest enough with ourselves to be humble about the stuff that we're all working on anyway, instead of focusing on what everybody else needs to change in their life and realize that we have so much that we have to work on ourselves and then we humbly receive from God his word and start working on that. We're becoming doers and then we see needs and we start meeting needs and now we're becoming who God wants us to become. Stop pretending that you're righteous and just start doing stuff that helps people. And I truly believe that when you get that, 
then the righteousness comes. And I don't mean we don't try and get better. I'm not saying we stop fighting sin. I'm not saying that we excuse sin. And it doesn't, and I'm not saying that you may not be further ahead on the spiritual journey than somebody else. But none of us are perfect. In fact, he says, if you think you are, you're deceiving yourself. I think what Jesus is saying through James here is this. Focus on you doing instead of them changing. Because if you're hearing the word and you're being honest between you and God, you know that there's plenty for you to be working on. And there's plenty of stuff to do out there. Focus on you doing instead of them changing, then focus on helping instead of critiquing. Do you always find something wrong with everyone and everything? Do you always have an opinion, but you never have enough time to really help? Do you seem to be religious, but you never really have any time to give or fund any project? But you always have an opinion. I heard this a couple weeks ago. Watch out. Watch out. I've never met a courageous cynic. That's powerful. The cynics are really good at giving their opinion. They're just not very good at actually doing anything and affecting any change. So if somebody's critical of you, if you've got cynics in your life, observe them. They're not very courageous. They're really good at commentating, but they're not good at doing much. And the guy with the ball is always going to get tackled, right? So if you're actually trying to do something, people are going to come after you. It's just the way that it is. That's called leadership. Welcome. When you actually try and do something constructive for your community or your neighborhood or your family or your friends or your coworkers, you're the guy with the ball. You're the one trying to affect change. There's going to be people who are critical. But don't keep that from stopping you from doing something great. Be the solution, not the commentator. Martin Luther said this. He said, the world needs not a definition, but a demonstration. And I think that's where we're at. So my prayer for you this morning, our prayer for us this morning, is that wherever you are in your world, whatever you consider your your world, you know, and I truly believe there's about 8 to 15 people in your life that, that you could make a list of people that you feel God has put there for a reason to affect change. Whatever your world is, you're called to have an impact on that world. Just like I believe that we are called as a church to have an impact on our community. What I am incredibly passionate about is that our church is actually responsible for making an impact in Front Royal and Warren County. I would love to see it happen to where we as a church see ourselves as more than just a great group of people who love each other and gather on Sundays. I would love to see it that this church, and I think we're getting there, right? Like I got some great ideas, but we're building houses We're collecting groceries for people. We're already fixing water heaters and putting in wells and doing all kinds of good stuff. That's a good start. 
But like if we weren't here, would our community even miss us? Or are we just a great gathering place at 737 Rock and Roll where we come around and we back and we back slap and shake hands and have a great time on Sunday, but we're not actually doing anything with what we have. That's who I want us to be. And that's who we are becoming. Not just a great place for people to attend, but a great bunch of people who are making an impact. That's what we're looking for, right? That's true religion. It's to visit the fatherless. We are going there. We are proactive. We're not, (laughs) you know, Jesus did say, go and tell, not come and see. That's our responsibility. As but We got great stuff here. We have a great message and a great God. Let's do something with that to help people. Be doers of the word. True religion. Pure religion. Ethically pure religion is to help other people. Don't deceive yourself into thinking you're a good Christian because you come to church on Sunday. You might be a nice person. You might even be my friend. Not anymore, I guess. But <laughs> you, you, you might be a great person. And you might know more Bible than me. That's very likely. But I'll tell you this. If we're not doing anything to benefit our world with what we know, why have you been entrusted with it? This is called good news. Good news. That's why we're here. And we're going to have some opportunities coming up within the next few months for us as a church to have a significant impact in our community. And you need to be on board with this. But beyond that, don't wait on the church. Don't wait on this organization to make that happen. You're the church. What can you do in your world in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your place of business, what can you do to significantly impact those that God has already placed in your life? Like I bet if you, I bet if I put a gun to your head, you could come up with 10 people that you have in your life that you could affect for the kingdom of God. I'm not gonna put a gun to your head, just saying. We all have people in our lives that we are called to impact. Be Jesus there. Like be be the church there and make a difference. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Let's pray. Father, we are overwhelmed by this truth that you have us here for a purpose greater than Sunday. You want a Monday faith. (laughs) <laughs> and all the other days of the week. You want us to be able to take this incredibly good news that does more than just get somebody ready for heaven but has an impact on how we live in your kingdom here. Help us to be as real as we can and as helpful as we are able to affect our worlds with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.